Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, March 4th, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism, and we will be starting our reading with on page 40, the last paragraph this morning. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Stacy T, the 12 Traditions, Christine M. And our text readers will be Judy S, Blossom S, and Rachel N M. And our newcomer greeter today is Devorah S. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of, in- of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Stacy T. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Star 1 to unmute, Stacy. We can't hear you. Sorry, talking to myself. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for your service in my past. Thank you, Stacy T. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 traditions for us. Yes, hello, everybody. My name is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group are never endorsed, financed, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money and property and prestige avert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service uh, centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Christine M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except for the person speaking, should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism. We will be starting on the bottom of page 40 with the last paragraph. Two paragraphs will be read and comments will be accepted on both of them. And with that, I'm going to ask Judy S. if she will read for us, please. Thank you. This is Judy S. from upstate New York, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased, and I knew my partners would be too. 
It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. I ordered a cocktail in my meal, then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed, so I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxicab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. My name is Judy S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, wow. This is um, uh, this is me and my disease um, <clears throat> because I uh, it, it it all depends on my frame of mind. And my frame of mind depends on my connection with my higher power. Um, if I didn't connect in the morning, which, you know, I, I, I do religiously, as they say, every morning. Um, but my, my frame of mind is off unless I am constantly in touch with my higher power. And I had to really practice and continue practicing to, to stay there. Um, but, but I love that it starts out with those words in this frame of mind and He's like, you know, I had no trouble refusing drinks, you know, and that was me before I came into OA, um, you know, or even in OA. I, I stayed on my diet. I had no trouble refusing desserts or anything like that. And it's like, this is easy. You know, I'm in OA and I'm, I'm abstinent. Oh, this isn't that hard. And then one day, you know, I went, I went to Wisconsin to visit my family, you know, just like he went to uh, out of town. And physically, I felt fine, and I didn't have any problems or worries. It's, I was excited. I was going to see my family, and, you know, everything came off well. We were having a great time, and, and then I went uh, out to eat with a friend of mine, and, you know, boy, those uh, desserts look good. And the thought came to mind that, hmm, it would be nice to have one of those desserts, <laughs> you know, just like the thought came to his mind. Um, and, and, you know, that word came, you know, it, it, it's past tense. It was already there. The thought came to mind, you know, so it was about his frame of mind. And then he had one, you know, a cocktail, and then he couldn't stop. And that's me and my disease. First of all, I have no defense against that first bite. All my actions are born in thought. So as soon as I had that, that thought, that is my signal to stop, to pause, to go, wait a minute, where did this thought come from? Because once I take the first bite, I'm gone. I'm, you know, I'm just like him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just gone. I keep eating, 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 and then wake up a few days or weeks or hours later and go, how did this happen again? And uh, this is just a great example, a great story that I really, really relate into. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy S. Okay, who would like to comment? 
Do L. Do. Sally. Sally. This is Bella. Can I share? Bella. Melissa T. Melissa. Vasa okay. Vasa. Okay. Suzanne. Suzanne. Say that again, please. Susan S. Okay. All right. You got to speak up. You're coming in very, very faint. Because my poor little ears. Anyway, I have Duel, Sally, Larry, Bella, Melissa, Vaso, and Susan. So Duel, you're up, and then it'll be Sally. Good morning. Um, thank you very much. This is Duel, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from New York. Um, I, I love this story um, here, you know, where it indicates that, you know, Fred was, you know, he was, he was, he had the disease of compulsive eating, which is, you know, the physical allergy, the mental obsession. And it's very clear that um, in complete innocence, we can receive a lethal, a lethal thought, right, that can lead us to the disease and get us stuck in that cunning, baffling, and powerful disease of compulsive eating. And, you know, and he's saying here, you know, he was physically fine. He, he didn't have any pressing problems or worry, and everything came off well. He was great with his partners. He had the perfect day. There was not a cloud in the horizon. And, you know, and what I see there is that there was no trigger in sight. You know, this disease does not need a reason for it to step in and give you that lethal thought <laughs> of compulsive leaving. If I have this disease, I, I'm already prone to that. And, um, and the other thing that I see here is that he was defenseless against the first drink because his thought was he was going to do it himself. You know, everything is the eyes. You know, I thought I was doing this. I, I thought I was uh, having no pressing problems. I, I felt that I was fine. Um, I came off uh, pleased with my partners. Um, you know, I was refusing the drinks. I was not making too hard of a simple matter, right? So he's he's in in that thought process where he's doing it himself. There's there's no God there. There's no mention of God. There's no mention of sponsors. There's no mention of meetings or help from others. You know, he's He's hot stuff. He's thinking he can uh, control the outcome. And, you know, and when I'm in that place, I'm in deep, deep trouble because this disease needs to be overcome with a power greater than myself. You know, I can't pull it off myself. And if I, if I, um, you know, if I give into those thoughts, right, which are the lies that I tell myself, the justification, the excuses to prove myself like a non compulsive eater, um, then I will go off to the races because the day will come where I pick up the first bite and I'm off to the races and I can't stop once I start. And that's what this story is telling me that, you know, that this was um, Fred's experience, you know, that he doesn't need an excuse. He doesn't need, you know, a bad day. He doesn't need a good day. You know, the disease does not use any reason for it to get you. And and so that's why it's, it's very it is is a very powerful story because it reminds me that I am who I am and I need to be aware of who I am and I need this program and this help that is being given here so that I can have a way out out of this because my thoughts are lethal and with that I pass. Thank you, Do L Sally A. You're up, and then it'll be Larry K. 
Thank you, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. Uh, it's Sally A in South Jersey. Let me turn on my alarm. Um, Sally A in South Jersey recovered compulsive overeater. I want to speak to one sentence here at the bottom, closer to the bottom of page 41. Um, it says, just before the end of the paragraph we, we um, ended with, I know little of where I went or what I said and did. That is such a powerful sentence to me. It actually is like a burn in my belly because I know this is speaking specifically to that night this man was running around and uh, ended with the restless irritability of the idea that he arrived at the airport and instead of his wife, a friendly taxi cab driver was there waiting for him. So he knew something was very, very wrong. But here when he says, I know little of where I went or what I said and did, it reminds me of my entire life in the food. You know, in fact, we had leap year a few days ago on, we had February 29th. Do you know when we had leap year, I could not remember ever in my entire life, ever. I do not ever remember a leap year. I do not remember one February 29th. It was the strangest feeling because it was four years ago, this coming June, that I put the food down finally and then began my journey to recovery. And when this leap year happened a few days ago, I had this very strange feeling where was I on the other leap year days? How is it that I don't ever remember experiencing a leap year? My whole life, I never had a leap year? Where was I? What was I doing? And then I start to think about the books that I'm reading now, that I've read before, that are so strangely new to me, that I read, but I wasn't really I wasn't really reading. My brain wasn't working. And finally, because I'm running out of time, I want to say to you, this gives me pause. But it also is a reminder, why do I beat myself up for all the mistakes I've made through these years? I have been sick. I was sick in the food. And if I had cancer, would I beat myself up? If I lost my hair or if I had to lose a part of my body, would I beat myself up? No, and I would have compassion and others would have compassion on me. So why do I have to make an amends to me for what I've done to me or to anyone else when I have been so sick that I can honestly say I know little of where I went or what I said or what I did? Thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Sally. Larry Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Bella G. Thanks, Monica. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader. Um, physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. Um, you know, I, I have an opinion. I don't speak for OA, and I have an opinion about this. I, I don't think Fred was recovered. I mean, only God knows, certainly, but I, I don't think he was recovered. See, sober alcoholics or abstinent compulsive overeaters, we have good days, bad. We're obviously capable of feeling uh, temporary euphoria, temporary depressed moods. We have, you know, human feelings, experiences. You know, but let me never make the mistake, you know, of convincing myself that temporary sobriety or temporary abstinence and the feelings that come with that mean that I've had a spiritual transformation sufficient to 
to eradicate the obsession. See, there, there, there came a time when Fred had no mental defense against the first drink. And if I've learned anything in this program, it's the truth of the words on page 85, where it, it says the problem has been removed. What was the problem? Well, we learned lack of power. That was my dilemma. And, you know, if, if we've carefully followed directions, it tells us, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. We've carefully followed directions. What directions? On page 58, if you've decided what we, you want, what we, what we have, and are willing to go in any lengths to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. And those steps are all laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the program. You know, th th this shows us how we get well. I never got well by thinking that my temporary sobriety, you know, was a spiritual transformation. See, I know differently now, not because I'm some know-it-all. I'm not. I got here on a roaring bender losing streak with, you know, fast food meals and candy and nonsense in between. A liar, a cheat, all that stuff. I know from experience what the spiritual experience, the transformation feels like. And I don't think Fred had that, you know, as much as he, he wanted to have that. Wanting it and having it are two different things. God decided that I would have it as the result of these steps. That's what I believe. Simple as that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Bella G., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Good morning. Thank you very much. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. Wow, it brings me the memory of one day that I got a compliment from a friend. And right away, my first reaction was, oh, okay, so now I can celebrate with an ice cream. You know, it doesn't make sense. What is the ice cream connected to a compliment that I got? But this is where I was before the program. Yes, I am a compulsive overeater, and this is my frame of mind. I was afraid to, you know, to leave the present. I didn't know what to do with, my, with the present life, and, you know, I wasn't aware that I have character defect. I was connected to my ego, to my power, and right away when I got a compliment, I didn't know what to do with this. So now, should I share it with my friends? But they always judge me and blame me. I judge myself and I blame myself. Or, you know, if I, would, if I will not tell it to nobody and it will be the compliment will be a secret for myself, so people will not know who I am. People will not know how smart I am. So I didn't know, and my black and mind thinking you know, brought me to, you know, Bella, you know the best solution. Go back to the food. The food is your best friend. 
there is no logic in this thinking, but this is my frame of mind as a compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I am not connected to my power, to my ego. Today I am connected to a loving, accepting, higher power that I call him God. And today I am living the 12 steps. And yes, I know, you know, I have the tools to deal with my feelings, with happy feelings and with not comfortable feelings. Today I learned to pause and to say, oh, wait a minute. So I got a compliment. Yay, I am so lucky. So what shall I do? What is connected to me? Today I don't have to be a people pleaser. Today I am not afraid from, from the judgment and, and the judgment, not the judgment of other people to me and not myself towards myself. Today I am connected to a loving, accepting power. And today I know, yes, I have my character defects that I have to work on them one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa. Hi, good morning. Can, can I be heard clearly? It seems okay at the moment. Go, go okay, for it. Good. All right, thank you. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, to me, this story just demonstrates more and more that um, this problem that I have um, is far too great for me to, to think that I can control it with willpower and being on guard. And that's really, you know, like right before he fell, you know, back into the alcohol, you know, right every time before I fell right back into the food, I was thinking that I could be on guard. You know, I could guard myself from whatever outside of me, um, you know, failing to recognize that the problem is me. I am the problem. And so I'm with me whether I'm on my best day or my worst day. And um, and it was me that truly needed to be transformed and changed. And, you know, like him, um, I picked up, you know, I knew that I had a problem with sugar. I knew I had a problem with food and overeating and desserts. And yet, you know, I would be at the most happiest event, a wedding, um, at my honeymoon, and, and the thought would cross my mind that, um, you know, a tropical drink sounds like a great idea or a piece of cake sounds, you know, what would be the harm? And, you know, and that's because my mind has no ability to finish the thought. It's like in that moment, um, I forget, you know, completely where it leads me that, like him, you know, it's weeks, months, years of uh, uncontrolled eating with no recollection. And, you know, and so I know that I, I needed to be changed. You know, I could not think for a second that this was a problem that could be fixed by another diet, um, you know, by standing on guard. You know, and, and I know for myself that, you know, on a Friday, you know, today's Friday, my family gets pizza on Friday. And um, I have to know, you know, it, it, I, I cannot be, um, I cannot be naive 
I think that just because I've had some accidents and I feel like I'm in a recovered state, I am not normal. And so on this wonderful Friday when my family could celebrate, you know, and enjoy pizza, that's not for me. I, I have the ability, because I've been transformed, to finish the thought. You know, yes, wouldn't it be nice if I could have one? But I can't have one, and and it always leads me, you know, down that dangerous path. And um, thank you. That'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. and Vasa O. You're up, and then it'll be Susan S. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, falling from Florida. And uh, I love Fred's story. Uh, reading, when I read it for the first time, uh, I was defenseless, defenseless against my alcoholic foods. And I was powerless like Fred. And I could identify so much with this story. And before coming to my program, coming to OA program, I depended on my own, my own power and my own willpower to fix my problem. And I did it for many, many years, 25 years of my life, you know. I experimented. I, doctors, you know, I remember talking to the doctors. They'd give me diets. I went to Weight Watchers. I mean, I've done it all. You know, there were three things I wanted to do, but I was too embarrassed. Go to a hypnotist. I have my stomach, but the bypass has done. I have my jaws wired. 30 years ago, that's what people did. They had their jaws wired. But I was just too embarrassed to do that. I had no clue about physicality. I had no clue about mental obsession. I knew I had the mental obsession. I tried to start it, but I couldn't. But um, I had hit bottom. That was my bottom coming in the program. And um, um, before I came, I just gave in to the food, and I said, I can't do this by myself. I'm just going to give in. Why bother? I failed over and over, over and over so many times. And I thank God, nothing, nothing worked for me till I, nothing happened till I was ready to surrender to my higher power, which I call God today, and the program and the 12 steps. And the reason I did, I did not want to die. I saw too many people being sick in my family, my friends, you know, around me. I could see the killing disease, and I did not want to die. I wanted to live. I had young children, and I wanted to be um, um, a better mother, abstinent mother. I was a good mother, but I wanted to be a better mother. So I'm just so grateful for God leading me to this program, and and this is the only thing that's worked for me, and I give the credit to my 12 steps and people like you that started the programs and the big book. You know, it was already done for me. I just needed to follow the direction. The recipe's right here. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Susan S., you're up. Hi, this is Susan in Florida. Grateful compulsive recovering overeater. On the first paragraph where it says here, I went about my business for a time. I had no trouble refusing drinks. And the first thing that came to my mind with that is that I had no trouble telling anybody I was on a diet. I wanted them to know so they wouldn't offer me something. And the problem with that was my character defect of cockiness was so huge I was so proud. I was so grandiose. 
I had no defense against that first fight. So, of course, maybe later on in the evening I would say to them, okay, I'll try just a little. And that's all it took was just a little bite. You know, oh, you can have some. Okay, just a little. I had no defense against that first bite. And then on the second page it says, um, I had no problems. I had uh, physically I felt fine. Yeah, well, between many abdominal surgeries, I always felt fine. And those were for hernias due to my obesity. And then when I was feeling good and the surgery was over, I could say, okay, now I have this lick. I can have a little bit and nothing will happen to me because the areas in my belly were already fixed. Well, it was terrible because I took that first bite and the first thing that went to my mind was, okay, I've got this work. Did I ever pray? No, I didn't pray. My mind said I could have a little yogurt, which is on my food plan, as a little snack. I stared the fridge and I prayed and I was able to... Well, this happened last night. And I got up last night. I'm a naive. And I got up last night and I stood the refrigerator at 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. I could get one. And I just looked in there and I said, what could I have that's on my food plan? Well, I already committed my food. I already called in my food. I already had what I was supposed to eat. And I just said, God, please help me. And immediately the refrigerator door closed. And I went back to sleep and that was it for the rest of the night. You know, like somebody else shared, you know, on page 58, they say, if you decided what we have and you want to go through with it, then all you have to do is follow these steps. And my sponsor keeps telling me that I have to pray. I have to take out the old files that are in the file cabinet and put new ones in. I am worth recovery. I am worth um, being happy, joyous, and free. I don't want to go back to where I was. The last thing I have is I remember driving on the highway from one exit to another exit, uh, probably two exits. And when I got off the highway, oh, my gosh, I had no idea I got how I got there. I had no idea how I went 20 miles and got to where I was going. All Time. I could think of was thank you, thank you, I passed. Thank you, Susan. Yes. All right. Would anybody else like to uh, share on these two paragraphs here this morning? Leah. Leah. Reva. Reva. Linda D. Renata. Linda. Hey, you guys are being easy on me here. I'm I'm getting the names. Okay. Leah. Reva. Renata. Linda. Anybody else? Okay. We'll go with that. Leah, you're up. And then Renata. I mean, Reva. Thank you, Monica. This is Leah S. from Brooklyn and a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Um, This paragraph is all about identification to me. And Fred is saying, what is it 
that I'm going to have a little bit of this drink, a little bit of whiskey into my drink. That means I'm going to combine abstinent food with non-abstinent food. And there were lucid moments in my life. I cannot say that there were not. Where finally I was thinking to myself, what is this yo-yo that I'm going on? I'm going on a diet. I'm not going on a diet. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Lucille Roberts. I'm not going to go to Lucille Roberts. So there were times that there there was, you know, um, responsibility. And this is what the program is telling me. Hey, Leah, take responsibility for yourself. Finally, finally. And still, I did not know until I did not come into Overeaters Anonymous and A Vision View. I all of a sudden said to myself, my goodness, this is it. This is my rock bottom. And this is what I had to reach in order to have a daily reprieve. And for me, a daily reprieve is essential. It's vital. Every single day, I am a compulsive overeater, but a very grateful one. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Leah S. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Renata. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. This story, in contrast to Jim's story, um, reminds me that I don't have to be restless, irritable, or discontent um, to pick up, um, and that it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. I am wired so that I have a mental twist, and my best thinking is about pouring whiskey and milk or having a cocktail with dinner or picking up whatever it is that my binge food happens to be. Um, And the second thing I wanted to share on is even in abstinence, what this story is showing me is that if I'm exercising willpower and keeping on guard and we see all the um, I words that were shared yesterday, how many I's there are in these paragraphs, if I'm in that state of mind where I'm running the show and abstinent, I'm going to eventually pick up because I have a thinking problem. I don't have an eating or drinking problem. Eating is the solution. Um, So if I have a thinking problem, I need to address my thinking, which, as people have shared, is by working the steps and getting a mental transformation. And I wanted to share um, yesterday um, I had to work on a paper and um, I knew I was blocked. So I did a step 10 turnaround. um, And then I was still scared. Um, So I got on my knees and prayed. And I am amazed. This is amazing. I looked at that paper and I think somebody changed the words um, because all of a sudden it was so much easier um, and simpler to just do the work I was supposed to do. Um, So I've learned that my first thought is often not a God thought. My first thought is often the impulsive, reflexive, compulsive, mental twisted thought. But if I live in 10, 11, and 12, and part of that is to pause and ask and stop telling God, I this and I that and I this, but ask, 
what do you think? Um, what is the next right thought or action? Um, then things are like really simple. Um, and then I got an opportunity to help somebody else, which is the last part of step 10, 11, 12. So um, it's really amazing. It's so simple. And the last thing I ever want to do is sit down and do the work and stop and do the work. But if I do it, it works. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Renata G., you're up, and then it'll be Linda D. Hi, Monica. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, family. This is Renata G., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. This, uh, these paragraphs this morning are making uh, me think about how you know, I could only recover when I really accepted the fact that I had a disease that I am 100% powerless against. You know, what I see here in Fred, and then, you know, when if we compare Jim and Fred, like, you know, Fred is a high-bottom drunk, right? So that helped me identify in because, you know, it, it made the loop a little bit bigger. Like, I didn't have to be you know, I don't know, 300 pounds or have like real serious health consequences from this disease. But the thing is, you know, like Fred, I've always made the decision to pick up those foods that I could not control. You know, um, sorry, I'm blanking out here. Um, What I wanted to say was that uh, I mean, that's the lie that my disease always told me, you know, like, because I, I used to justify, oh, I ate because my dog died or I ate because I broke up with a boyfriend. I ate because blah, blah, blah. That's not why I ate. I ate because I have, you know, a twist of the mind and an allergy of the body. I'm a real compulsive eater. It doesn't really matter what's going on in my life. If I don't work these steps, I'm going to pick up. That's a certain thing. It's a sure thing. And so like Fred, I also ate when there were problems when, or when there were no problems. You know, when I was happy or when, you know, I was unhappy. So what I had to accept is that I had no control whatsoever against this mental twist. And my only hope to get rid of it was to work the steps. And, you know, because if I believe that I eat because of my circumstances, then, like Fred, I'm going to keep trying to control them, to make them, you know, be in a way that, oh, if I do this, I won't eat. If I don't go to that place, I won't eat. If I don't see that person, I won't eat. But my mind would always convince me to eat. You know, sometimes it would start with, let's say, quote, unquote, absent food in the home. So then, you know, I have no defense unless a power greater than myself removes that kind of thinking from my mind. And that's what the steps did. Thanks, Annette. Thank you, Renata G. Linda D., you're up. Vanity. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and boy, I'm so happy to be here. I'm uh, very grateful to be recovered compulsive overeater. Um, everybody said pretty much what I've experienced. I think the thing that jumps out at me is that um, 
largely because of the Visions meeting. And and that's not to make it a, a cult figure or anything, but I really do understand from the witnessing of all the folks who have had recovery before me that I really am really have a real disease. So what am I going to do with that? Because I wake up untreated. Somebody said that last week. That's really good phrase. I wake up untreated, but I have these steps. And as someone said before, uh, a spiritual experience, a spiritual transformation is entirely different in my experience as well, as uh, entirely different from being dry, so to speak, and doing the best I could. I did the best I could. I think everybody does. But I don't live in a society that tells me what the heck's going on. They don't know. But we know. Of Some people know. And the folks here know. And it's the big book and the 12 steps that work. And that mental twist to me, and this is just me, really it comes down to uh, some confusion, but mostly it's I'm self-destructive. That's really what I found out by doing the steps. Beyond being selfish and self-centered, very self-destructive. And nothing and no one changed that but God. Uh I'm so, so grateful to know what I'm up against and to be reminded continually by all of you that um, stay out of the intellect and into the intuition. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Okay, well then I'll take that, that we will move on to the next paragraph. And Blossom S., would you read for us, please? Good morning. This is Blossom S., recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatsoever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they had prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more. For what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had not been able, I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. So I'm Blossom Compulsive, over uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio, and there's so much in this paragraph that is just um, amazing to me because, again, it's like reading about your own life. So um, the first part, um, not only had I been caught off guard, I made no fight whatsoever against the first drink. And that's what would happen to me. Something would pop into my head. And I would think, oh, I can control this. I can just eat a little bit of this. And then 
down the hill I went. And I didn't try to fight it because I didn't realize that I had this 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 alcoholic mind. And then later he goes on and says, but they told him this is what would happen. And he did have self-knowledge, but it didn't matter because he had this alcoholic mind. Because I have the mind of a compulsive overeater, these thoughts will pop into my mind and I cannot control them. There is no reason. It goes on to say that some trivial reason, well, all the reasons are trivial for me for picking up that first bite. They're all trivial. There are no major reasons. There are no big reasons. There's no small reasons. They're all trivial reasons, and I can't control it because of the alcoholic mind. What I can do is take the first step, admit I was powerless, and that my life has become unmanageable. And that is what happened to him. He says at the, bro- at the bottom of the page, I had never been able to understand people who said the problem had been hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. And for me, it was a crushing blow. I, my, I watched my disease progress, as we have seen with Fred, my disease progressed. Things that were told to me in meetings and on this line, I thought would never happen to me. When people said, um, I, I hid and I hid food and I ate it. I thought I'd never do that until I was hiding food and telling my boyfriend, I'm going to bed early and getting in bed with cake and eating it. Until people said, I put food in the trash can and the next day I got it back out. I thought that's insanity. I would never do that until I did. So it's a crushing blow, but as we'll go on and see in the the next chapters that we read, it's a beginning. It's a beginning. And again, for me, it was step one, admitting I'm powerless over the food and that my life has become unmanageable. With that, I pass. Thank you, Blossom S. And who would like to share? Maureen M. Leah M. Maureen Maureen and Leah. Okay, I'm just going to start with those two because we are running out of time. We'll see how we go. Maureen, you're up, and then Leah. Yes, good morning. Hello, Vision for You, uh, friends. I'm uh, Maureen. I'm a compulsive disordered eater and recovering sugar addict. And I'm saying recovering today because I'm in the middle of working with a sponsor, which which is amazing for me. Um, Anyway, when I read Fred's story, it wasn't a crushing blow. It was a crushing blessing, even though he doesn't see it that way at that time. I love his story. I I do because I I love self-knowledge and I love willpower and I love discipline and this and that. Well, um, as the sharer before me just said, it wasn't until I, you know, started doing things, um, hiding and returning and buying more and hiding in in the car and in in my yard, no less, in my... Uh, uh, bedroom and and just taking things out of the garbage and you know all of that um, that's insanity and I knew it I knew it and I said this is this is beyond me I'm really in trouble and couple that with um, such depression and suicidal thinking that it was I mean, it was a crushing blessing because today I have no reservations 
that I'm afflicted. I am afflicted, and thank God you are here every morning, and thank God I can share that with people who truly understand what it's like to have the peculiar mental twist and then the allergy of the body. It's awful. It's awful. I'm going to a wedding shower tomorrow. Please pray for me. It's my first one um, in my real abstinence, which I consider this time by having a sponsor and working. Um, I hope to God that I get helped through it because I can't do it by myself. No way. Fred talks about I this, I that. No, no. It can't be I. I'm doomed if I start thinking about I. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Maureen. And I did not get the initial of your last name. Could you share that with us, please? Maureen, what is the initial to your last name? You probably were muting when I was saying that. Okay. Leah, Leah M., you're up. Thank you. And that was Maureen M. Thank you very much. You know, I've been reading this text uh, for quite a while, and it's still a sobering paragraph when I read this. You know, um, I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help me in those strange mental blank spots. I've never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. It is a crushing blow. I mean, step one is not a feel-good step. You know, it's not a feel-good step. Uh, you know, it, it, it basically emptied out any residual notion that I had any power within myself to help myself. I, I got to the point where I had an inner lack of strength. I mean, it was just, I was pummeled. I was beaten to a pulp. But that beating to a pulp and the understanding that I had a mind that kept hijacking me and taking me back to that which was killing me, my understanding of that through the education of this text and through uh, the conversation that I had with someone in whom the problem was, was solved, I got it. That step one was the realization that I was doomed, that I was screwed, (laughs) you know, and I wasn't screwed. I wasn't doomed because of the allergy of the body as bad as I thought that was. I was doomed because of the mental obsession that I had. And I began to realize through this pain and suffering, through the demoralization, the despair, the bewilderment, And the frustration of this disease, I began to realize that the only solution that would ever work for me was something that got rid of that mental obsession. The same solution that had worked in the person who was able to transmit something to me because they had been recovered. They were recovered. And they transmitted something to me that they had. They had had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. And as that result, they had a, a, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. You know, page 24, you know, reminds Fred, reminds me that his so-called willpower has become practically non-existent. He is unable at certain times, like what we read, to bring into his consciousness with sufficient force. He might have brought it into his consciousness. It wasn't sufficient force. 
uh, of the memory, the suffering, the humiliation of even a week or a month ago. He was without defense against the first drink, just like I was powerless, hopeless, doomed, based on my own experience, based on my own history. And I had to experience that powerlessness in order for it to become a launching pad of desperation into the 12 steps. It's with that urgency and that desperation that I began the work of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We've come to the end of our time already so quickly here this morning. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing here. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Rachel and M, could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. This is Rachel and M. I'm very grateful to be here and recovered this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.